It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. everybody welcome in to the dublin and denver podcast on the mile high report podcast network my name is michael McQuaid, and we are delighted to join you for a, a week four review and a week five preview for the denver broncos on the mile high report Mile high report podcast network joined as always by colin cronin Stuart roach uh, and lads no guest today so uh, we're, we're riding solo in that sense but uh just to recap before we do bring the other guys in the broncos losing 23 to 7 against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, numerous things we can talk about in the game. Obviously, we can talk about the concussion to Teddy Bridgewater and where that stays and where that leads out. Now, this is being recorded on a Tuesday. We're not sure what day this is going to go out on the Mile High Report podcast network, but obviously, just please bear that in mind in terms of the quarterback situation. But uh, let me bring in uh, Colin Cronin. Colin, now, Colin, you've uh, made a very number of interesting picks over week four along with me. Um, a big week for us, like, you know, the NFL is coming back over here to, to Europe. Uh, unfortunately, Colin, the Broncos aren't part of that. No, uh, they're not, though. Um, given given the drama uh, that surrounds the team on and off the field at the moment, it feels almost similar to the time, the last time the Broncos were uh, in, in London and the omni-shambles that that was. Uh, with Josh McDaniels, who realistically should have been fired then and there and should have, you know, taken a leaf out of Urban Meyer's book, not got on the team plane and just stayed in London, uh, which would have been much better for for all concerned. 
Um, but no, we get to 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 see um, two teams that uh, you know have have an ability to to score points, if not necessarily defend, in the Jets and the Falcons this weekend. Stuart, welcome in as well. Obviously, look, it was a disappointing result after going free and no, but uh, a warm welcome into the podcast, Stuart. Yeah, uh, thanks guys. Obviously, it's a little disappointing the first loss of the season. Just uh, what Colin was saying there, I think the Jets-Falcon game could end up something like 75-60 with the way the team's been going. Uh, so you should be in for a treat from an offensive point of view. Um, you know, and, and let's not, let's let's hope Urban gets on the plane with the team and goes home straight after the game as opposed to taking, you know, a slight detour to visit family members in inverted commas. Um, I just actually hope that that wasn't a member of his family, actually, because they're all completely different getting the fish all together. But yeah, no, disappointing, uh, obviously. But, um, you know, lots to talk about. Lots of blame to be shared. <laughs> Column, I think, was saying shared equally. I, 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 I have very one specific place that I want to put most of my blame is going to be attributed to. But anyway, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Let's uh, let's let's recap the game and, and let's look into it and let's do our, uh, I guess, synopsis and uh, look. The Broncos obviously lose; they lose by multiple scores. Uh, just on what you was you saying, I don't think Urban Meyer will see London. I'm just going to put it out there now, as as of today, I don't think he sees London. That's my bold statement of the week. But going back to the Broncos column, a good start for us. We get points in the board. Noah Fant gets a touchdown. A good start, a positive start. It couldn't have went better at the start of that game. And you start to think, this could be your day. But it wasn't to be the case. And suddenly, the Ravens really took control of that game. And I, and I personally felt that the defense were being asked just maybe a bit too much. Yeah, I mean, it felt like so many games over the past four years. I mean, take your pick from 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. The the final score, um, and, and I'll pa- pass it over to, to Stuart very soon, because I, I think give him the, the, the floor and then I'll come in, because as I said, I think there's plenty of blame to go around. But... I it to me that was that was the frustrating part was the you look at the final score and you go 23 7 mm, the Broncos not scoring much but it could have been 43 7 I mean they just never felt um outside of scoring that early touchdown that we put we were ever in danger of, of realistically um being in the game um I you know I think they're the responsibility for that is is on a few people. Uh, Stuart, you think it's on one very specific person? Um, do you do you want to elaborate on who who you feel is the person responsible for um, what we witnessed? I, I I hesitate to call it a game because that usually involves two teams, but um, you know what we witnessed on on Sunday. Well, I think just to. You know, just to clear up, I I do agree there is there is blame to go for everyone, but I think the lion's share for me goes to Pat Shermer. But I think, you know, from a, from a sort of a a recap point of view, there was a little bit of everything from a from a horror show point of view um, on evidence on Sunday. You got a little bit of a classic Vic Fangio. Um, what's a timeout? Do I have to use these? Oh, oh no, it's too late now. And 
Um, and then we had your old pal Tom McMahon. Um, because in fairness, especially to the funny thing about the Broncos special teams is it, it looks it lulls you into a false sense of security because they actually looked competent for a lot of the game, and then something spectacularly bad will happen. Like, for example, Brandon McManus is a very good kicker, and um, Sam Martin is a decent punter. Do you know what I mean? It's not their problem, but then special teams, their coverage will just just blow up and it, it's but i find now you're waiting for it constantly throughout the game like you shouldn't have to even sort of bother watching a punt when it happens you know what i mean it should be bang punt mile high 50 yards you know let's not even think about it but for me the biggest couple was pat Shermer. i think um i think we'll come back to the defense later on because i think the defense was asked um, the most expensively assembled defense in N- in the NFL at the moment. Let's not forget, you know, there's more money been pumped into that than any other defense. Um, I have had issues with Pat Shermer for a long time. I think bar two anomalies, one of which I think you could probably attribute to Chip Kelly in the NFL not being used to him in that season, and the other one being Case Keenum's sort of miracle season, which culminated in that that sort of Hail Mary-esque play in the playoff games. Um, Pat Shermer is a, is a, is a basement dwelling offensive coordinator and has been throughout his entire NFL career. His teams have never ranked more than 24th apart from those two anomalies out of 13 and 14 seasons now. So this should be no surprise that the Broncos offense is beginning to struggle. This was the first decent team we've played. I think the Jets have a okay defense or it, it fights. The Jaguars are absolutely awful. Giants, I think we got them at exactly the right time. This is the first proper team, which also had a huge amount of injuries, probably more injuries than we had going into the game. And Pat Shermer's spell failed spectacularly. I think it particularly came to a head when Drew Locke came in. One of the things that I was kind of relieved about was the fact that Teddy did so badly against this Ravens defense in the first half. Because I think Locke would have been a very easy target. I think he's already become a bit of an easy target for for a lot of fans on Twitter and and, and so well, I was going to say on social media, but no, just Twitter because uh, that was the only one that was working. Um, but I, I so I think it was interesting to see that that Teddy Bridgewater struggled really badly with with the Ravens defense. Wink Martindale schooled Pat Shermer. Um, when you have a quarterback in Drew Locke whose confidence is clearly suffering because he's been benched. He hasn't taken a meaningful snap for at least four weeks now. Pat Shermer called a run play on Locke's first play under center. Then Pat called eight straight passing plays. So in the book of how do you get a quarterback that's not in the best of form settled in, I don't think picking eight passing plays after one run play is, is in any chapter. Um, we ran the ball four times in the second half. That's ridiculous. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams were both averaging over five yards a carry. And we run the ball four times. This is this is just beggar's belief stuff. And I think the fact that Tom McMahon has been so bad and has rightly been criticized from, you know, from all corners for well over a year now, because he's a dreadful special teams coach. Well, I think his struggles have overshadowed Shermer's. And I think to me, He's as much, if not a bigger problem because the offense is more important than the special teams. And if we have to go back to the drawing board, which I I have maintained we will have to go back to the drawing board because I think Teddy is who Teddy is. I think it was, you know, I think there's a bit of fool's gold there after the first couple of weeks. 
if we have to draft a quarterback or if we have to get a I don't want Sherman anywhere next year near the quarterback for the Broncos next season because it's another weight like Locke, whatever you want to think about his abilities as a as an NFL caliber quarterback, Locke's chances of ever doing anything died when Scangarello was fired. It ended. Um because Shermer is a dreadful, dreadful offensive coordinator for a young quarterback. So that's who I think gets most of the blame for Sunday. Colin, um the Bro- well, th- thank you for that, Stuart. Uh, Colin, the Broncos averaged six point two yards per carry on Sunday against the Ravens. Um Obviously, Stuart mentioned it there. Four run, four run plays in the second half. Was he playing Madden? I mean, let's be honest here. Well, I can say this now on this when podcast you're, network. When you're, Is he taking the piss? When you're, cha- when you're chasing the game, you're always going to go past um, heavy in, in that respect. But it's to me, what's a bigger issue is what how we approach Lamar Jackson, like. Vic Fangio came out last week and called um, Lamar Jackson the Barry Sanders of the the QB world. And a lot of people wanted to give Vic the benefit of the doubt and say he meant that um, Lamar can can make magic happen out of nowhere in a way that Barry Sanders used to do. But what Vic appeared to do on Sunday was to dare Lamar Jackson to beat him with his arm and that he didn't think that was possible. Lamar Jackson threw for over 300 yards for only the second time in his career against the much vaunted Vic Fangio. And like it, to me, it was just incredible that a I, I went on a Ravens podcast last week and said they said, "Do you think that's what Fangio will do?" And I said, "No, there is no way Vic could be dumb enough to do that." But here we are, um, it ha- it having happened, and that's I, I think the entirety of the coaching staff because it's it's not just Sherwer, it's it's not just Tom McMahon. Although we are um, almost. 30% worse than the next team. We are bottom in terms of kickoff return. We are almost 30, we give away 30% more than Green Bay. That's coming from Mike Kliss. Um, and, and like this again, this is not a, that it's a one bad game, one bad week, one bad season. These are the problems that come up time and time and time again. And that's ultimately what's so um, frustrating in in terms of of watching uh, the Broncos is you're going to lose games. You're going to they're going to be bad plays. They're going to be interceptions. They're going to be mistakes. They're you know you you expect all those, but when it's Groundhog Day, when you watch a game and outside of the 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 players that are on the field you go what was that a game from 2018 or was that a game from 2020 or oh wait that's a game from 2021 and that's the feeling around this franchise um currently um we were blessed with the opening salvo of of games um the the scheduling gods really look kindly upon us um but we were we faced a a real team at the at the weekend and one that again the broncos certainly had a lot of injuries but in the discourse around it it's almost as if the ravens were at full strength and not missing their two tackles their top three running backs their top um, cornerback 
Derek Wolf, and a whole host of others. They have 14 players on IR, but they've never let their heads drop. They just went about their business against the Chiefs and against the Broncos. And they took the the narrative that the AFC West is where it's at. And they said, no, we're going to stomp all over it. And we're going to do it in a properly nasty fashion. And that's how they took care of business. They did indeed. And Stuart, it's, I echo what Colin said. It feels like uh, Groundhog Day again, and it's disappointing. Looking at another factor that happened in the game, Teddy Bridgewater leaving the game with, with a concussion, and obviously Drew Locke comes in. It feels a bit like Groundhog Day again. Drew Locke comes back in. Um, Bridgewater and Spencer uh, were both knocked out of the game on helmet-to-helmet hits, and neither, neither play was a penalty. Um, I mean, I watched the hit back on Bridgewater, and it, it was quite poor to not give it as a penalty. Yeah, they could have they could have easily called one or two of those. You, you wonder why they weren't. But I, I think for me and, and I think Michael, this kind of sort of factors into towards the the controversy that I, I think I'm I'm not sure if Vic is devious enough enough to have constructed around the um play at the end of the game, but there seems to be a, a kind of a like the Broncos got their asses whooped on Sunday. They got beaten up by a bully. The Ravens came in. They said, you know, we've heard a lot of talk about you guys being one of the best defenses in the NFL. Well, we think we're one of the best defenses in the NFL, even though we haven't proved it up to this point because they have a porous passing uh, defense. And they slapped us around. I think the Broncos have kind of gotten a little bit ahead of themselves um, by beating up the likes of the Jets and the Jaguars. And then when a real tough, nasty SOB came into town. They didn't have any answers. And there's a an element of whining about, you know, helmet-to-helmet hits. Like, Lamar Jackson was talking about, he got clobbered a few times as well. Um, and he did. Um, like, there was one, I think it was um, Mike Purcell, could have easily been called on that touchdown pass, because he hit him low and from the side. That could have very easily been a rough in the passer. So you're going to get that. It tends to even itself out over over the uh, the course of the season, unless you're the Patriots a couple of years ago. Um so I, I, I kind of think with something like that, I think, you know, you, the, the stuff about the, the Ravens running the ball at the end of the game, to me, is, is just, I, I, I kind of think that's a little bit pathetic, really, to be honest with you. I don't know if you wanted to touch on that later on in the podcast, but I, I just, you know, I, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when Fergie did something similar from, from Man United, had been absolutely dreadful in the game. And he criticized one of the referees for being overweight uh, correctly because he's massively overweight. Um, and the upshot of it was that nobody spoke about Manchester United being absolutely dreadful in the home game. I can't even remember who it was against. All the people spoke about was Fergie criticizing this poor referee for being overweight. And you maybe was so yesterday before social media exploded, died. Um, all anybody in Denver was talking about was how dare the Ravens run a play you know, when instead of taking a knee at the end, you're going, that's not the story of, of what happened. The story of what happened is how desperately poor Pat Shermer um, play called, but how awful the special teams are again, how Vic's defense was was tasked the secondary with, we're going to put this on you. To, to We're going to dare Lamar's beach in the air. And the secondary failed miserably. The most expensive secondary in the NFL failed desperately. Kareem Jackson, diabolical. Uh, Justin Simmons had probably his worst, maybe his worst ever game as a Bronco at the weekend. Um, 
Phil Fuller allowed a guy to just sort of push past him to get a first down in the second half with a minimal, like a minimal of effort. That, these are the stories of the game, not some nonsense about, oh, the big bully boy Ravens ran a play at the end. It's like, well, you try to score a touchdown in garbage time, Drew Locke, and turn a ball into the end zone. So what's the big deal? We wanted to keep the streak alive. If I was a Ravens fan, I would have been absolutely delighted that they kept the streak alive at the end of that game. I'd be doing cartwheels. So I, I just think, and Colin, you kind of touched on it. One of the things about the Ravens is, and one of the things that we haven't had since Peyton Manning retired, regardless of what state the Ravens arrive into your stadium at, you know what you're going to get with them because they have a clearly defined culture. And it's it's funny because the Ravens are, are a relatively young franchise, um, but they have a clearly defined culture, which is we are nasty. We um, spend a lot of money and a lot of draft capital on defense and we run the ball. Now, it might be Lamar, it might be a, a running back, but we run the ball well. And you knew, I knew, I said it last week in the podcast, yes, they've had a desperately poor pass defense, but it wouldn't surprise anybody if they worked that out over the weekend. Wink Martindale was sending blitzers all over the shop. He was disguising them beforehand. And you want to talk about somebody daring. <laughs> Wink Martindale was daring us to run the ball. That's what he was daring us to do. But, oh, no, Pat kept dialing up pass after. Like, there was a play that I, people were talking about. Cortland Sutton wasn't on the same wavelength as Drew Locke. The one where Locke threw it to the back shoulder and Sutton hadn't even turned around again. That was third and four. It was third and four. Wait, what are you what are you dialing up a deep ball in that situation? <laughs> Seriously, it's ridiculous. I uh, actually think, lads. Now, look, I've wanted forever with five seconds to go. You know, when teams go for the kneel, I've wanted them to fake kneeling and play on. So for me, as even as a Broncos fan, I completely agree with you. I just don't get what the big deal is. Um, it created memeable content with Vic Fangio on the sideline. Um, and I think it just, it derails from the issue. You know, if you sat, granted, we weren't sitting in Mile High on Sunday. We weren't, but seeing friends that were at the game, that we follow, follow both on Twitter and seeing their thoughts in the third quarter, fourth quarter, here we go again sort of thing. It was disappointing. And if that's the main narrative from Sunday's game is that we, you know, are disgusted with the way the Ravens played. I mean, come on, get real. You know, like I... I think there's a, there's a, there's a lot of other issues to, to focus on here. Um, and, you know, I was watching the last five minutes of the game and, and when, we got, when we had the ball 10 seconds to go. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. They're entitled as much as anybody to take the ball. If you have the ball with one second to go or with 14.59 to go in the first quarter, it doesn't matter when you have the ball, you're entitled to do whatever the hell you want with the ball. And the result is what happens. The Ravens ended up trying to get the yards. They got it. And maybe the players were, you know, obviously emotional after a long game. They may be frustrated after going 3-0 and then obviously being beaten like that there. That's fair enough. But the narrative, the spin since is, is, is a bit crazy. I just don't, I don't get it personally. I've seen 
uh, our friend Nick Ferguson talking and agreeing, saying that you know people are coming out and saying like, oh, it's, you know, like we, we should be doing better than this. You know, it's one game. Like, like the real test for this team now is going to be over the next few weeks. Now they have to go on Sunday, as far as I'm concerned, and and not just get a result. And we'll talk about this in a bit. Get a result against Pittsburgh, but they have to put down some sort of statement performance like that. Sure, you mentioned there now about Justin Simmons. He, he's had a a quiet start to the season, you know, in, in comparison to what he is capable of, and hopefully he can come into his own in the next few weeks. But uh, man, Colin, the defense looked tired, man, by the third quarter, and the offense looked like it didn't know what it was at. And that's a game. God, God forgive me for saying it, but that's a game that was crying out for Philip Lindsay bombing down running 10, 20 yards, start, stop, or even a bit more Javante Williams. Well, it's it's an identity thing. And and Stuart touched on this, like since Peyton left town, what's the identity, right? And you, you know what you're going to get with the, the Ravens. And it brought to mind, um, if we're talking about garbage time, we're talking about just the, the obsession, you know, Harbaugh's obsession with getting that record because it keeps it going. Um, let's go back to the good times, right? 2014. We are beating the Raiders. We're up 31 points on the Raiders, right? And one, and talk about memeable content, Michael. One Brock Osweiler thinks he's going to go in. He thinks, yes, here we go. I, I'm going in at QB. And Peyton Manning, nope, no, you're not. I'm going to keep this going because Peyton Manning was absolutely obsessive. Uh, but that's the type of, like, that's what you you knew what you were getting when Peyton Manning came into to town. Where, where is the identity in this Broncos team? You know, again, like certain things, like when when your players get hit in the head. Like I remember playing the the Giants and the um, earlier this year, right? And Justin Simmons accidentally catches Daniel Jones, and their O line just descended on him. And that's the type of thing. Remember when um, the <laughs> Tlaib, um, the guy put the tried to take Chris Harris's knee out, uh, and Tlaib was going to be, uh, beat his ass because they shared the same agent. That's what you want to see. Like you take care of care of business on on the field, um, and, and and sort it out and ensure that the next time you know somebody tries to give you a smack in the mouth, they're getting it back twice uh, twice as hard. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, that's what um, I, I would certainly like to see is is a bit more aggression. And I think that's what you're saying, Michael, is, um, you know, Javante Williams run was was fantastic, but it needs to come from others um, as well. And we're going to need it um, next weekend. You know, the the Steelers are, are not what they were. And, and it's difficult to believe that Ben Rattlesberger is only 39 because he's playing like he looks like he's 59. And <laughs> but you gotta you gotta go to, to Pittsburgh and, and and you gotta go up against the, the terrible towels. Um and, and you're you're still gonna have to show up because surely um but again um you know the it it, it is the NFL and, and coaches sometimes do you would have to think surely they will have to to game plan ar- around that, but it needs to be a bounce back game. It should be a game that the Broncos are saying to themselves, we put a statement down here, given what happened last weekend. Well, I mean, talking about having a game plan, you'd like to think Shermer will have a plan B and a plan C. And you know what? If that doesn't work, 
even a plan B because he didn't have a plan B on Sunday. Um, let's let's look ahead of this game on Sunday. Obviously, Broncos going to Pittsburgh. Broncos can always be, you know, it's, it, I don't like watching the Broncos in the East Coast. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't like it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Stuart, there's talk tonight. Like obviously, again, evening time, morning time, Tuesday at Denver, um, that Ben Roethlisberger has a hip injury or a knee injury. Hasn't got a hip injury. He's got a knee injury. So y- you have to think about his flexibility as a quarterback this weekend. And can we maybe um, take advantage of that? Obviously, without giving your pick, what's your thoughts on this game? I think it, it's a six o'clock our time kickoff, um, and it's it's an away game. So immediately you'd be you'd be slightly trepidatious. Um, Pittsburgh is not a place that we have a particularly good record. Um, I think we found it difficult to get results in that stadium over the years. Um, and I think Ben is one of those quarterbacks who has done well against the Broncos historically. Um, and I think you're also going to be up, if Claypool is fit, I think you're going to be up against a far more dangerous wide receiver group than the one that we faced at the weekend. Um, so I think this, is, this game has got bad news written all over it if the Broncos don't, don't show up properly. Um, because I think you're at the stage now where you're kind of going, I think that the Ravens was a game that you could have really laid down a marker and you completely wet the bed. And I think you, you run out of them eventually. Do you know what I mean? And I think going to Pittsburgh and beating a team that on paper you should probably be, particularly with Ben struggling, um, I think, yeah, it's not going to hide the disappointment and I think of the Ravens game. And I think there's always going to be a slight concern that, you know, is, is that kind of really who we are? Um, the Steelers aren't as good as the Ravens, but they're still dangerous and they still have a good defense. That's the thing that would worry me. Um, I think we were all very quick to write the obituaries of Dalton Reisner and, and Graham Glasgow um, with Mooty and, and the other chap coming in. They were absolutely obliterated at the weekend. Calais Campbell and the kid, uh, Elway, is that his name, absolutely rinsed the interior of our offensive line at the weekend. So you better, uh, you better hope that Reisner is back and Glasgow is back as well. So the, the Steelers always have a good defense. They've got, and they've got TJ Watt. Um, now, we were very, very hard on Gareth Bowles for a long time, and then we were also big enough to hold up our hands and, and admit that we got it wrong. Um, Bowles didn't regress to the way he had been previously, but he didn't have his best game by any stretch of the imagination at the weekend. Um, now, I imagine if I'm the Steelers, I'm putting TJ Watt on Massey as often as, as I can, because um, Bowles is still a far greater tackle than Massey. Um but, you know, the, the Steelers have got some weapons. This is a dangerous game. But it's now become a game where you kind of need to you need to eke out a result here somehow. Um, so, again, I think this is one of those games that could be very, very close. I don't, I don't think either team is going gonna, is gonna to put the other one away. Um, but I, I, I think this is going to be an, a, an extremely tight game. I do think Shermer re- needs to show an awful lot more. I and mean, I think Fangio needs to show a bit more as well. Um, you know, this defense, we, we were hearing all sorts of things. It was, you know, there was nicknames being given out before the season, you know, never give teams a nickname before the season starts the new fly zone. Are you joking me? You know, uh, let's see, let's come back when you've won something. Let's come back when you've, you've actually lived up to it. Um, you know, so we need to see, we need to see something. The one thing what Ben is going to do, 
um, is he's got to pick on Pat Sertain because that's what Lamar Jackson did. So hopefully uh, Sertain can bounce back from that um, because he had, a t- he had a really rough game against Watkins at the weekend. So you're going to get that with rookie cornerbacks. Cornerback's a tricky position for a rookie to play in. Pat's done really well up to this point. I'd be confident he can bounce back, but he's he's got to know it's coming and he needs a little bit of help, I think, as well because they do have some good wide receivers. So I don't know, Mick, you're going to ask me to make a pick in this game. I'm not sure. Um, maybe come back to me later on, but I, I genuinely don't know. Put it this way, if I was betting on the NFL this week, I wouldn't touch this game with a barge pole. <laughs> well, at the time of recording, Colin, we are unsure about Ben Roethlisberger, his status. I think regardless what happens with Ben Roethlisberger, even if he's active on Sunday, we won't really know how he's going to play yet because he's been it's been such an interesting start to the season for him and his age and stuff. But we're like I'm I'm being prudent, Colin, and I'm just sort of going with a thought that Drew Locke will start this game a quarterback. Um because Teddy Bridgewater may not clear protocol. That's why. Um if that does happen, you know, what are your thoughts on this game? Huge issues. Huge issues if Drew starts. Um I I I just don't I don't have I I was on the the before the start of last season I was on the through lock train I I fell off and no I can't get back on I I saw um and look it's a very small sample size but my god there was um if you have a look at QB efficiency um on there was a chart on Twitter earlier today and Oof. Um, he it's I just see the same I see the same mistakes I see the same he's got a big arm and that can get get, get you big plays sometimes but the difficulty going through progressions the being careless with the ball um, against um, a Steelers defense that is struggling certainly but you know if what 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 you love is is QBs who are going to make mistakes, and we were lucky that we faced three of those in the opening three weeks. To be honest, like Ben will not be surprised by I think anything you know Vic shows him. But the issue for Ben is that physically he just can't do it. And I'm reminded of Gary Neville said um, that sometimes physically your body just goes and and Neville retired at half time during a, a game against Stoke from what I remember he just said take me off I'm done and and Ben unfortunately for the Steelers kind of looks like that at times now he obviously had the throw to Deontay Johnson um, at the the weekend and and that's a guy who you know had did really well in the off season in terms of learning um, about you know handling and he taped the um, tennis balls to his hands in order to strengthen his fingers and catching um, if they ha- if if the Steelers, if Big Ben is out, it nearly helps them. Whereas I think if Teddy is out, that's a huge hindrance to us. Um, I I was really hoping that um, Teddy would be on track to, to come back. Um, so you, you saying you expect Drew Locke to uh, start genuinely, my, my heart sank a little bit when you said that. Well, look, I mean... Drew Locke was saying it immediately after the game on Sunday. And we all know what happened. Whenever they brought Teddy Bridgewater in, there was a gentleman's agreement that, that, that Teddy would be the starter from the minute he was brought in. So I'm not going to sit here and fall for the ball coming from that department and that franchise. That is what's going on here. It's clearly, if it's that bad and he's saying that already, if Locke's coming out and saying, I'm going to presume that I'm starting next week, 
course he would be, but the fact he actually came out and publicly said it after the game, it just speaks volumes to me. I am I'm being prudent. I think Teddy will start. Sorry, I think Drew will start. I hope Teddy starts. <laughs> but um even regardless of the quarterback that starts, um and like you know, looking at that there, I you know if Shermer does if Shermer does the same as last week and doesn't have a plan for this for, for this one and three, albeit they've played the Bills, the Raiders, the Bengals, and the Packers, Steelers team. The one and three Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger, who's never looked worse. Come on. Seriously, wise up. If there's no game plan here, don't get on the flight. Don't bother your arse flying over. That, that That's the way I see it at the minute. Uh, but this is this could be a redemption game for the Broncos very easily. This could be the sort of game that we all think they might not win and they make a win and get a result. But, you know, if if Drew Locke starts, I just I just can't see it happening. And I'll give my pick in a second. But Stuart, do you want to maybe add to that and then give your pick yeah, again? I, I think it's you, myself and Colin were kind of texting back and forth during the game at the weekend. And I think, you know, if Colin's okay, I'm going to share it. It's like we're now in a situation where a civil war broke out in Denver over two, well, one poor and one mediocre quarterback. And I think now you, you have to, you know, having grown up watching John Elway and, and then having had even the likes of Jake Plummer and then Peyton Manning coming in, the fact that Broncos fans all over the world are are lighting candles and, you know, sacrificing goats to try to hope that Teddy Bridgewater can sort of clear a concussion protocol really is just <laughs> Becker's belief that we've gotten to this point. Teddy Bridgewater was terrible against the Ravens at the weekend. He was terrible, you know, so... Uh, I wouldn't be overly confident that Teddy's going to do anything against a good Steelers team. Um, I think Teddy will do a good job against crap teams like the Jaguars, and I'm almost scared to say it, the Jets. Um, but I, I, you know, to me, this is just indicative of where we're at now. You know, we're all desperately hoping for Teddy to come back. I think, it, as you were saying, Michael, if it is Drew, which it may well be, the thing about the NFL protocols is it's actually got nothing to do with the NFL. It's taken completely out of their hands. If he fails that, you'd like to think that Sherman will come up with something. Um, you know, I was under the, the impression, I think you guys were as well, this is supposed to be a defense and run first team. I don't know what's happened with that because the defense hasn't been particularly good in the last week or two. And um, we don't run the ball anywhere near enough. So, you know, let's get back to doing that. If it is lock, make his life easier. You know, don't be trying to hit these miracle balls to court on something on a jump thing like on third and four. Run the ball, use your tight ends get some play action, do some screens, that kind of stuff. Be clever, you know, um, might be too much to ask, but, you know, help the guy out a little bit. Pat Shermer doesn't seem to like Locke. That's one of the other issues. Like there was that shot of him in the stadium. I don't know what had happened previously. Maybe Locke had missed a throw or something. It was just like, you know, I mean, I, I guess the guy doesn't know the camera's going to be on him the whole time, but don't, don't do that. You know, I mean, really? So I, I just, to me, as I said, this is just indicative of where we're at as a franchise now that we're all desperate for Teddy Bridgewater to get back. Uh, I, I just don't know how we, we've ended up. Well, I do know how we've ended up in this situation because we've had three top 10 picks and we didn't use any of them on a quarterback, but there you go. Are you taking the Steelers? Sure. You got to take the Steelers and some of them? Yeah, I think I am actually, Michael. Yeah, I think I am. I think this is the kind of game that I would like to think that we could go in there and win. Um, I just don't have enough confidence in this Broncos team at the moment. And I, I would say that we're, I think it'll be closer if Teddy plays because um, I, I just think Locke's head is gone. I think I think Locke needs to get out of Denver. I think the crowd were on his back when he came in before he even thrown a ball. The crowd were very lukewarm, apparently, when he took to the field. 
his team didn't seem to really show much sort of fight when he came in. Um, I think they believe in Teddy, which is fair enough. Um, I think they would be more competent uh, if Bridgewater plays. But I would still back the Steelers to win this because I, I st- the Steelers have some pieces. Like, they're the second best team we've probably played on the schedule. Um, now, if we do pull this off, I mean, that's a great jolt to us. and Maybe we're back on track, but I can see us losing this game by a field goal. Colin, any final points? And who's your pick? Uh, just that, yeah, I, I said c- Civil War um, because, and it's Groundhog Day. I mean, this is Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. One is more physically gifted, but one is the better NFL QB, all, but not good enough to take you where you want to go. Um, the, the Drew Locke does need to get out of town, but Drew Locke needs to change the narrative. I mean, Drew Locke has become a punching bag, not just in Denver, but around the league. DJ Reader called him out by name, by name. He didn't just say, you're going to bet on Joe Burrow or another young QB. He said, you're going to bet on Joe Burrow or Drew Locke. And when opposing players are using you as as an example of why they won't sign for a team, that's never a good place to be. Um, but yeah, e- equally when, when you know, you, you are, are hoping on... Um, on Teddy to come back where he yet to to show that he can take us to the next level. That's not a good place either. But I still think the Broncos should beat a Steelers team that cannot run the ball, that, you know, Big Ben makes one big throw a game, but then that seems to be it. That, that's all that's left in, in his arm. And I think if the Broncos are going to go anywhere this, this season, it has to be a bounce back game. Um, they win it. Um, it's not going to be exciting. Uh, the Eagles and Chiefs didn't have a single punt. Um, the Broncos, Ravens was the opposite. Expect more of the same with two struggling offenses. Um, the Broncos eke uh, a victory uh, 13-10. Just one thing that I'll say before I make my pick, and I have to bounce in a couple of seconds, boys. Uh, I've, been un- I've been unimpressed with the attitude of Vic Fangio since the game. In general, I think um, he looked like a man that realized he might be on borrowed time in the press conference. His demeanor, the way he's like, and I, I wish Vic all the best, and I hope he turns around the season. I mean, he's three and one, so he'll be fine at the minute. But uh, you know, j- just to just just to come out and say about an NFL franchise that player secondary is is uh, is second. Sorry, player safety is secondary to them, regardless of your opinion. Two days after or the day after a game, why move on? The game's over. The Ravens couldn't care less. The Ravens have gotten the flight to back to Baltimore. They could care less. Wise up. Focus on the team. Make sure your OC has a plan for Sunday and get that defense going again. I think we're going to lose by a field goal. Um, I think, and I, I, I do stick to this, I just I have a feeling that Teddy's not going to play. And I think that then creates problems in itself. Um, I do think the defense will be better. And I think that Brandon McManus and the defense will have a busy day in Pittsburgh. And if Drew Locke does play, could be a busy day for Sam Martin as well. But uh, look, I, I just think we'll lose by a field goal. I still think the Steelers, I think the Steelers look at this game as happy days, two and three. And that's the problem with this team. And it's, it's I wouldn't go as far as saying it's heartbreaking. It's it's disappointing. I hope the Broncos can prove me wrong this week. I picked, to be fair, I picked the Broncos to beat the Ravens last weekend. But just from seeing the vibe, from watching it on TV, I've got us. I've got a bit of a, a bit of a bad feeling about this game, and hopefully, they prove me wrong and and they go to four and one. But I, I'm sorry to end the show on such a low note, boys. But I, I'm going to pick the Steelers, Stuart, and yeah, that is me. 
But boys, we'll be back next week, yeah? What what a world where I'm the optimist. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I was desperate. I said last week that I, I if we beat the Ravens, I'm going to be absolutely a believer. I'm jumping on that train. Um, and choo-choo. Shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> tickets, please. <laughs> Taddy train. Oh, Taddy. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, that Taddy train. It's 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 getting serviced in. Uh... At least you boys have trains down there. Anyway, uh, just just to leave it, obviously a massive thanks uh, for listening to the Dublin November podcast on the Mile High Report podcast network. Please feel free to subscribe to the Mile High Report podcast network and give your feedback either on Twitter. You can follow us. Uh, I'm at Michael NFL. Stuart is at PurpleHeartTC and Colm is at Colm from Cork, C-O-L-U-M. Until next time, uh, thanks for joining us and hopefully the Broncos can do a good job this week against the Steelers. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. Go Broncos.